And this hour, we're going to take your calls with Robert Lenza as we talk about his book, Observer. It's a fascinating discussion. Jump aboard and share your thoughts with us. And welcome back. George Nori with you along with Robert Lenza as we talk about his latest work called Observer. Who do you think in the long run, Robert, gets us the answers, the metaphysical community or science? Well, science hasn't done a great job so far. No, I, I no. Think, so I think metaphysics is the ultimate reality. So, I mean, in the end, I, I think that they will penetrate closer to the ultimate reality than a physicist who has been indoctrinated their whole life with, with, with certain thoughts. So uh, I, I vote with the latter. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts about quantum physics. So, uh, so quantum physics, you know, right now, you know, uh, you've probably heard a lot about what's going on in, in terms of the experiments at the micro level. You know, I had mentioned briefly the two-slit experiment where a particle can go through one hole if you watch it, and it goes through more than one hole if you don't. Uh, but there are also lots of other things going on in, in quantum physics, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Uh, and if indeed the world was just out there bounce, with particles bouncing around, uh, you'd be able to measure all the properties, but you can't. And, and, the, and the, the same thing goes for entangled particles. I mean, it turns out with quantum mechanics, as a matter of fact, the Nobel Prize was just given a few months ago to three people for quantum physics. Uh, and in, in their experiments, for instance, they showed that these entangled particles uh, could be instantaneously connected even on opposite sides of the galaxy. And so how is it possible that you can have this, these entangled particles that actually are connected faster than the speed of light and, and still be there in, in a manner that suggests there's no space between them and, and no time influence in their behavior. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll just give you one experiment that I, I always find very fascinating. Sure. It was, a, it was a paper, uh, an experiment carried out in the prestigious journal Science, uh, where scientists actually could retroactively change something that had, that had already happened in the past. So as, as light particles pass the fork uh, in the experimental apparatus, they had to decide whether to behave as particles or waves. But later on, like 50 meters after they passed that fork, scientists could turn a switch on or off. But what the scientists did at that moment, retroactively, you heard that right, determined what that particle did at the fork in the past. And of course, we live in that same world. But many scientists dismiss all that and they say well that's just the micro world and, and our world is completely different but now there are new experiments where for instance you know i mentioned entangled particles where for instance uh scientists in, in china use a satellite to beam entangled particles to cities that were over a thousand kilometers apart and it turns out that what happened with the particles in one city instantaneously influenced what happened in the, in the other city. Uh, they've even done these entangled experiments now with diamonds, like the ones you would put in your ears. And they're actually showing that molecules, that these huge things called buckyballs, you can send them through uh, the, this two-slit experiment. Even, you can even do it with, uh, with um, particles that are made, uh, compounds that are made up of like 15,000 different uh, elements. And it turns out that, again, if you observe it, they go through one hole or the other. And if you don't, uh, they behave, again, like a wave and go through multiple holes. And, again, the reason is pretty obvious, as, as we explain, you know, in, in the book Observer, again, is, is, is that it, it, reality is a process that involves our consciousness. So, so lots of exciting things. And back to death for a moment. Do you believe in reincarnation? So reincarnation is, is, is a complicated 
uh, idea. Sure. Uh, I, I believe in a general way, absolutely, in the sense that, again, uh, we're all connected. We're all really, when you die, you don't just die. Uh, yes, you indeed will be uh, experiencing, whether it's an animal or an, another person, a thousand percent. I mean, we're absolutely, uh, like I said, consciousness, space and time are the only things that we can think of ourselves as, as, as separating us in, from other people and other creatures. So that when you die, indeed, uh, it's really a reboot and you really uh, will be experiencing uh, whether it's, it's, it's other individuals or other, other life forms. Let's go to the phones. We're going to do that for the rest of this hour. We'll start with Jim in Delaware. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Hey, George, you know, as far as reincarnation, each creature, each species reincarnates as itself. That's what I believe if there is reincarnation. Here's the reason I called. You guys were talking about time travel. Mm-hmm. Back in the 70s, we were traveling around North Wilmington where the DuPonts live. And uh, we ended up on the DuPonts property. Well, out of nowhere, this man comes dressed like in the 1900s, and says, get off the property. Uh And I'm like, we think he just got let off by a time machine coming back to the present. We We think DuPont has the means of time travel, and they keep it among the family. That's an interesting possibility. They had enough money to do it, Robert. Uh, so, so you know, I don't think, you know, we're quite, quite there, but at some point, of course, if time travel uh, is made feasible, uh, then those people would have that technology. But, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not in a position to assess that particular event, but indeed, I do think ultimately, uh, through biocentric principles, that you time, time travel definitely will be possible. And as a matter of fact, the exact same mechanism that we describe in the book Observer uh, and all those concepts absolutely apply. They could easily, just as easily, create the reality from the the past or the future or travel there in in terms of uh, places and and times. If you could travel in time, would you go into the future or go into the past? Uh, Definitely the future. I'd be curious, you know, what's happening. See, I'd go into the past. I'd I'd want to see Jesus. I'd want to follow him and, and see the crowd with him and his okay. mystical powers and stuff like that. That would fascinate me. Well, like I said, I, I think that, you know, uh, through some of these concepts, I, I think that, that those possibilities uh, could be very real. Let's bring our cell phones so you and I can communicate with each other when you're in the future and I'm in the past. <laughs> I don't know if they would work. Let's go next to Mayat in the city of New York. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mayat. Good morning, gentlemen. Tommy has become sterling, if not platinum, and you're knocking it out of the box with your guest, George, for 2023. But I have some uh, brief comment and a two-part question, and I'll listen over the air. Um, First of all, um, I love your work. Uh, When we think about uh, Hamlet, where uh, was it Horatio who says, or said to him, there's more in heaven and earth than ever dreamt of Mm -hmm. in your philosophy. So you are definitely on the right track. Um, The first part of my question deals with a PBS documentary I saw. And this was some years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago, don't remember. But it was showing that uh, Einstein's first wife, he had an unusual name, something like Marissa, or uh, you, you might know it. 
but she was actually signed on to his first theory, and there was a lot of talk in that documentary that she played a key role in bringing him to that first theory. So I'd like to know if you've done any research or had any thoughts on that. The other part of my question is um, I'd like to know if you're familiar, because I'm a bibliophile, and why we love Coase, because he has so many uh, great authors on, is Michael Bradley, back in 78, was telling us how at some point we would be getting close to a nuclear uh, confrontation, which we seem to be here. And his book was, uh, well, one of his books was... um, the Iceman Inheritance, uh, Western Man's Racism, Sexism, and Aggression. And I found out as I started to read that, because I didn't read it back in the day and thought I knew it, that he had a previous book called Cronus Man or something along those lines where Western Man's Manipulation of Time is going to bring us to much disaster, so I'd like to know if you've explored his work. And lastly, I'm looking forward to reading your book. I love novels, especially talking about things that aren't talked about much. Have you thought about doing something around dowsing or what the pendulum represents, which George knows a lot about and understands, where we can actually detect liars and fine water and mineral? And if you have my three-part question, uh, thank you, George. I'll listen over the air. Thanks. Okay, you want to take a stab at the first one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, so, I've got so the others written down. Einstein, uh, absolutely, there were, were lots of people who influenced him and his ideas. You know, he, he sat in on lectures on on uh, one of the great mathematicians of the time who actually uh, suggested the, the uh, relativity principle as well. It's just that Einstein took it, uh, the next step. And also there were other people, you know, obviously in early, a great influence in his life early on was Immanuel Kant. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not at all surprised, and I do believe, that lots of people did influence and him in terms of his thinking. Uh, Second part was she was talking about Michael Bradley and talking about what you've been talking about is that's the difference between man and science. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, a a lot of what you were saying, you know, is is real. And we do talk a lot about dowsing, and I don't know if you've even got to that point, but some people do incredible things holding sticks and pendulums and things like that. It's strange. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of strange things. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with that, so I'm not in a position to really comment. Joe, Long Island, New York. Go ahead, Joseph. Hi, Robert. I have two questions. Congratulations on the book, by the way. And, oh, thank uh, you. Uh, for someone reading this novel that doesn't really have a physics background, what would be a working definition of particles, photons, and the quantum entanglement? And my second question is, I don't know if it applies to your characters, but uh, if you're an observer and then you're a participator, uh, in some way would you be tarnished or stained by your participation and then you can't revert back to the observer if it's a good and evil situation. Uh, so, so yeah, so lots of big questions. So in terms of particles and, 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 uh, and what's going on, I think we, we 
know for a fact, absolutely, that all objects, all particles have both a, a wave and particle nature. And indeed, you know, what I was mentioning earlier on in the program is that it's not just in the quantum world where, you know, a, a particle, if you observe it, behaves like a, a, a particle, and if you don't, it acts like a wave. But even large objects do that as well. So it, it's, you know, different ways you need to measure all of that. But again, I think virtually all objects, all particles have both a, a, a particle and a wave nature. And so, so again, you know, the things that I am describing and what I describe in the book, I, I think apply to, to all matter and energy. Uh, and then I, I guess what was the second question was about the observer was Right, right, right. If you look, for example, on ancient Rome, for example, if I'm a, an observer, I'm not really participating. But then yeah. if I participate, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, can I go back to being an independent observer? Or am I, you know, also kind of tarnished by having participated yeah. in, in the debacle, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, once, unfortunately, once, you observe something, you know, uh, it, it's frozen. You, you you have an entangled reality with the person you're, you're, you're doing. Uh, but that being said, uh, there's a lot more going on, and that is where, you know, in, in quantum physics, you know, they, they talk a lot about this aspect where uh, observations can't be predicted absolutely. So instead, there's a range of observations, and each has a different probability. And one of the mainstream explanations, the many worlds interpretations, says that all those possible uh, things correspond to a real reality, again, the multiverse. So again, in, in a sense, yes, there will be uh, instances where, in fact, you are able to, to go to a different have a different outcome or, or, or a different situation. It's fascinating just letting your mind wander, Robert, thinking about all these possibilities, isn't it? It really is. It's just really mind-boggling. As, as your previous guest said, there's just, just more to what's going on than, than you know, you can ever imagine. I mean, it really, it's, it's really mind-boggling. It's, it's actually beyond what, what, you know, a human being can really comprehend. First-time caller, Randy in Arizona. Hi, Randy. Go ahead, sir. George, uh, first time caller, been listening to you since 1997. Thank you. So, You've been uh, with us since the I beginning. Have, yes, yes, way back then. Hey, I had a fantastic question. I've been thinking about it for some time now since I've heard the theory about, uh, I mean, the, uh, the split uh, experiment for your for your guests. Let's say that you've never been an observer. Let's say you've been locked in a laboratory for 14 years. You've never seen the outside world, nothing, only the scientists in a jumpsuit, and then 13 years later, he takes you outside, would you still, as an observer, see everything the same, the same as everyone else would? So, yeah, a actually, a lot of that we, you know, I addressed in a, in a recent uh, paper that was actually published in the top physics journal, where, where we actually show, uh, you know, that, that the actual networks of observers actually determine the, the very structure of space-time itself, so all of reality. Oh, go, ahead, go, go ahead, Robert. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I think that whether you're in a room or not, you're certainly eating, you're moving, you're doing things. So, you know, all of the experiences you have, that's all real. And when you go outside the room, that logic will also apply. But again, if you are, if in theoretic, theoretically speaking, if you could be totally isolated, all kinds of things would be possible. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, what the, uh, the paper I had suggests, is that that you could be pretty powerful if you think about it when you're dreaming 
you're, there is no other people, no other consensus reality. But it's the same process. In fact, if you think about you're in bed at night, your eyes are closed, but you're experiencing space and time. If, if space were really a, a physical object, you wouldn't be able to experience space uh, just like you do during the day. The only difference between your dreams and the ability to float around and do that is that when you wake up, you're in a consensus reality, and, and that changes the rules. And dreams are very po- po- powerful, Robert, aren't they? Absolutely. They're, they're the exact same biophysical process as, as reality. The only difference between a, it's the exact same mechanism. As a matter of fact, that's proof that your mind does have the ability to reconstruct all of, of spatial temporal reality. It's just not a fluke. It's the exact same mechanism that you actually experience uh, reality. So, so, yes, I mean, I think that the, the only difference between the, the two is that there are other observers involved when you're awake. Let's go to Frank in Pennsylvania before the break. Go ahead, Frank. Hello, sir. I enjoy your show. Thank you. I just want to relate a dream that I had. I had it about 30 years ago. It's still very vivid in my mind. I dream every night in color. Anyway, this dream, I, uh, I was walking around my house at, around 1956. And I was walking around. There was nobody in the house, but it was exactly like it was at that point in time. And hardwood floors sparse furniture. Mm-hmm. And I walked around. I looked out the front window and there was a, a, a car of that period out front. And I walked through the house and I looked out the back window and everything was like it was. There was a store out back and a few things with no people in it. And um, I came back into the living room and a voice talked to me and it said, you want to go back to 1956 and start over, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. I don't know who the voice was. It was a voice. It was coming down from above me. It was very clear. I said, um, sometimes I cry when I do this. I said, um, yes, I, I, that's what I would like to do. And he said, this voice said, if you want to, you can stay here. Or the other option is there's a voice that's crying out to you down through all the years and it wants you to stay where you are. And at the time, my wife was sick. And I thought about it, and as much as I wanted to stay in 1956 and, re- and start my life over again, I thought, I, I said, I, I, I want to stay, meaning stay where I am now. And as soon as I said that, I woke up, and I was sitting up in bed, and my sick wife was sitting beside me. And um, that was a dream that I had. I honestly, honestly believe that if I had said I want to go back, that I would have gone back to 1956, and I wouldn't know anything about what's happening now. Wow, and you would have disappeared on us. We're going to come back with final uh, questions with Robert Lanza in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. Next hour, Susan Breskman Cosme joins us to talk about hypnotism and fascinating things like that, so make sure you're part of the program. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie here, back with our final segment with Robert Lanza. His uh, book that we're talking about tonight is called Observer. He has a number of others that you can see on his website, robertlanza.com, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. What's your next project, Robert? Uh, good question. Uh, so, you know, first we have to see how uh, this novel does, how, how the Observer does. 
uh, and then it could either be a sequel and or maybe knock on wood, who knows, maybe a movie. <laughs> I think I think you got a great possibility for that. Oh let's, yeah, well, thank you. Let's go to our friend Jeremy in North Dakota. Hello, Jeremy. Hello, George. Um, Nineteen years ago, one month and four days ago, I was in a near-fatal auto accident. I was immediately in a coma for two and a half months. Was I living in a different reality in that coma? Interesting possibility. Are are you in a different reality, Robert, in a coma? (laughs) So, in fact, again, you know, all... As I mentioned, even in your dreams, they're real. They're real. It's just a different type of a reality uh, where, you know, again, you know, the rules are slightly different. But, again, the same spatial temporal reality, same biophysical process applies. So if you're in a coma, just like you are when you're asleep, you're in a different reality for sure. Cheryl in Washburn, Missouri, welcome to the show. Hello, Cheryl. Hey, George. I'm glad you're in Missouri <laughs> right now, St. Louis. Only for, only for another day, then it's back to Cali for a little bit. Oh, right. No. Okay. And hey, Dr. Robert uh, Linda, it's like, this is cool, your book observer. Um, I did philosophy minor and everything, and um, as a brain buster, I didn't do, use the quiz notes. Anyhow, so it's like Descartes. I think therefore I am. And I do think that at this moment that we had this conversation, any synaptic pathway, grab consideration or awareness that we just changed the universe. We're part of the universe. And thank you to the Coast Coast people and Tommy is a sweetheart. And you too, and thank you all. We just all changed the universe right now. It's a different universe because we all thought this. And it was well, it's what we've been talking about, Robert. We are all part of the universe, aren't we? Absolutely. We, we are the universe. I mean, everything you observe and see, you know, that is, is part of the observer-determined reality. What if we are in a matrix, a created matrix, and there's like some kid on a computer in another world doing his uh, thing? Well, you know, I hear a lot about that, and it's sort of a fun idea. Uh, I, I don't think you, you need to think of that. I think lots of that are real, lots of those components about a matrix. You know, we are indeed in a matrix, and it's the... Uh, life is everything matrix and we're not in this uh random board ball you know dumb particle uh matrix so so i think that there is indeed uh things along the lines of the matrix uh that are very real and talking about very real when we go to sleep assuming we do not remember our dreams we're out of it for the amount of time we're asleep it's almost like we're dead isn't it yeah, so, but 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 you're not. You're not. You're actually experiencing uh, a, a reality. I mean, and as a matter of fact, I don't know about your dreams, but my dreams are just as real and vivid uh, as during the day. I remember. I remember a dream not long ago where you know I'm on the beach and I could feel the pebbles under my feet. I, I could see out uh, the, the ships out on on the water, three D, three dimensional. So I was experiencing space and time and reality. It, I could smell the ocean. I, Everything was just as real. And, and again, it's the exact same process. That's not an accident. Next up, let's go to Marsha, Los Gatos, California. Marsha, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, George. And can you throw me back to Tommy after we're done here? I sure can, absolutely. Thank you so much. Richard, I just am so grateful to hear about your book, The Observer. 
I am an observer, and I come from a science background, but I have such a strong um, connection with the metaphysical now with an experiment I'm doing as an observer. I'm viewing, I guess it's called scrying. I'm uh, throwing my consciousness onto a reflective surface, and then I'm taking pictures of what comes up on the mylar. And you can take... um, a um, magnifying glass, and you can look down to the smallest parts, and there's a whole nother world in there. Absolutely unbelievable. I believe that God has given us so much ability to create every possible thing needed in our world, Um, just like a child can create a face, a true feeling of a face, if you draw it on a picture and hold that face and see the child move its head and follow that face. Can you tell me what that brings up in your mind, um, Richard? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Robert, close enough. Uh, so, yeah, so, uh, again, it, it, as observer, the book says, it, 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 it all depends on the observer. So everything is uh, you are the one who are creating it. So, so, again, you know, you determine what happens, and there are lots and lots of almost infinite possibilities. So, so I think there's absolutely a lot of truth to, to many of the things that you're saying. Okay, absolutely. Dave in Sacramento, California, on the wild card line. Hello, David. Hey, George. Thanks for taking the call. Dr. Lanza, really uh, an honor to speak with you. I read Biocentrism twice and everything since then. And one thing that stuck in my mind, and I always did want to ask you, this is a great opportunity, was about the nature of consciousness. What do you think of that? Uh, is that conscious observer have to be a human consciousness? Could it be animal, you know, micro, uh, yeah. microorganism? Um, and then also... Yeah, I loved your um, second part of the question. I guess I loved your analogy about the record needle falling on the record, and that's kind of a point in time that we're being able to understand in the material world. But do you think that consciousness is more of a ethereal kind of element in the in the Ethernet just floating around, and then we connect to it kind of like a browser to the Internet? Um, so those are my two questions on the nature of consciousness. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so so your, your first question is, is... – uh, why the whole reason the theory is called biocentrism is because the bio refers to life. And so it's not just human consciousness. Your, your dog has consciousness. Your cat has consciousness. All your pets. So in, indeed, you know, in one of the, my pre- previous books, too, uh, you know, and as we explain it in the novel as well here, that, you know, again, it applies to all life. Any, any creature that has consciousness uh, operates with, with the same spatial temporal uh, logic. Uh, and, and in, in terms, I'm trying to think of your, your second question about uh, about whether consciousness is, is serial, or is that your question? How, how it connects? Yeah, is consciousness kind of around us, and then our minds are sort of the browser that connects to that wireless connection, that internet out there. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So it, it, again, it's basically you know uh, everything is is, poss- is possibility. It's 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 just uh, basically what what I do in my most recent paper. We call it in. It, Physics is called quantum foam, so the, that is out there. But again, as as I mentioned in the, the, the uh, analogy, you know, it's that the image comes into view. That is where 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 you actually things cause things to manifest. Again, the the observer is what collapses what they call the waves of probability. Uh, you know, and another way to think about it is is, is you know, is, you know, you're watching your D, 
DVD, and when the player is off, there's no movie. But when you you return to the room and you turn your player on, it leaps back into 3D. So so whether you turn it on or off, the movie doesn't really change. Emerald City is always at the end of Yellow Brook Road. So again, uh, the reality is 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 there. You only can experience it though piece by piece, and, and uh, very much along the analogy of the TV set I mentioned. I've always believed, Robert, that we are living in a wireless network where we're all connected. Strangely, telepathy, whatever you want to call it, but it's like a wireless network. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, if you think about it, if space and time, as Einstein showed, have no absolute reality, in what sense can we think of ourselves as being separate from one another? In fact, that's what all these entanglement product uh, experiments have been showing, is that they're, they're, we are all connected. Those particles are connected. And in fact, that's enough so that the Nobel Prize was awarded to these gen- three gentlemen for exactly that work just a few months ago. Let's go to Johnny in Rhode Island, east of the Rockies. Hey, Johnny, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, George? Okay. I just wanted to ask a quick question. I haven't been able to get an answer to this, and I think maybe your guest can help me understand this a little bit. All right. So he was talking about, like, uh, the observer, or I'm not sure if that's the same as the God particle or not, but my question was, um, like, the whole Big Bang thing, how was the Big Bang created if there wasn't anything around to observe it? Or, like, is it all self-aware? Or, like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, Oh, yeah. yeah no, a- a- absolutely. So when you think of the Big Bang or you think of anything, what you have to remember is, is that those are ideas, those are concepts. So right now, when you think about your body, it's made up of, of, of molecules, for instance, carbon. But carbon, we know that if you trace the logic of that carbon, that that's a fossil that was created in the heart of, of exploding supernova. But just because those things are the, the, the logic of space and time, it doesn't mean that they're actually manifest until they're observed. So if you were to go back in time to your existence, so right now you're talking on the phone, you're sitting you know, in, in a room in the United States, then that's on the planet, which is going around the sun. And if you extend that logic, you go all the way in, in, in space to the edge of the universe. Or if you go back in time, you will go all the way back to the supernova that created the carbon. And if you go back further in that logic, if indeed you could observe it and go back, you would indeed come to the very end of that spatial temporal logic, which is the Big Bang. So basically, it's evolution in reverse. So basically, the observer is the the the, the decisive factor. And even Stephen Hawkins, the famous physicist, said that the past and the present exist only in superposition. Which mean, and that's again what Einstein was basically saying. Which means that until you are in the present and you observe something, that those. Only then does the logic of the past and then indeed your future uh, really come into play. So the Big Bang is really the end of the spatial temporal logic of, of you, of the self. Do you even think there was a Big Bang, Robert? So, so a, the Big Bang is, is very much uh, a, 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 a spatial temporal logic. So if you were to think of what the explanation is for your existence, and you were to trace that logic, you would go all the way back to the Big Bang. But it, it's, we've got it wrong. We've got it totally in reverse. The Big Bang didn't just magically appear out of nowhere and create everything. It's the reverse. It starts with the observer, and if you trace the spatial-temporal logic to explain the self, you trace it all the way back 
to the, the Big Bang in, in terms of uh, time. And then in terms of space, you go all the way down into the quantum world, where, in, in fact, you find exactly what, what we've been talking about, where uh, it doesn't it basically exists as, as, as just possibility as quantum foam. First-time caller Jason in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Hey, Jace, go ahead. Hi, good morning, George and Robert. Hi there. Um, I have a question about premonitions and how, and directly about uh, dreams being related to reality. Um, Robert, you mentioned that you mentioned earlier that they can mimic reality, and you also hinted, I believe, at manifestation earlier as well. Well, um, I am 29 years old, and I've been having premonitions for over 20 years, and I have seen most of them come to pass. Wow. Um, so, obviously, I believe that all people have the ability to have a premonition of one sort or, or another, but why are more people, um, why are people more than others, um, Tuned in. have those are they more connected to reality or do they end up manifesting their premonitions yeah i mean very good question uh unfortunately i don't have any direct knowledge of, of, about you know that directly so I, I couldn't really give you any further insight than, than you may already have sorry about that <laughs> i do believe that some people have better inherent abilities than others though, Robert, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, people definitely have uh, various intuitions, uh, which, you know, intuition is a very powerful part of reality. Uh, So definitely there are uh, differences there, for sure. Robert, uh, as we wrap things up here, for folks who want to go to your website, uh, what do they see when they get there? Uh, So... There, there are a couple of websites. My main website would be my professional website, which tells you about my background. Uh, I think at the beginning it does mention Observer. The one thing I should point out to your readers, though, uh, or listeners, I should say, is, is that if you go to Amazon for Observer, a novel, there's a little box you can click and you get 40% off. Don't forget that. And also the, the Amazon gives you 18%, so you'll get 58% off. So anyone who does go to Amazon for looking at Observer, to click that coupon, make sure and get that 40%. Super. Robert, thank you for being on the program again, and uh, you take care, and you're invited back anytime you want, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Up next, we're going to be talking about hypnotism and special things that have happened to people who have been undergone hypnotism with a special expert on Coast to Coast. So make sure you're part of the program. And then, of course, in our last hour, we do the same thing. We open up the phone lines here on Coast to Coast AM. And also don't forget to sign up for our free YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, type in Coast to Coast AM official in the search bar. It's all free. Become one of 500,000 plus members.